Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 3092. We're in the home stretch for our final debriefings on the Andor series, looking at the story arcs of season one. And today I'm revisiting the very first story arc, which was kind of surprising for a couple of reasons as I look back at it. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So, one bit of scoundrel business, if you don't mind, we did a scoundrel business episode about these first three episodes of the Andor series previously, and that's all well and good. We were looking at how the three episodes performed compared to, say, the Obi-Wan Kenobi debut, and the Book of Boba Fett debut, and to season two of The Mandalorian, but... One thing we weren't able to do at the time was look at it in comparison to the rest of the series. And as I played with the numbers, what I realized is that those first three episodes are actually the least watched episodes of the series, or at least within that given week. I mean, so when you take the, you know, so many hundred million people and divide it by the fact that there were 123 minutes of episode within that first arc, right? I should say in those episodes, plural. Anyway, you get something on the order of like 5 million people watching any given minute on average, basically. That is actually the lowest amount for the entire series as the weeks have progressed. So even though the numbers aren't getting to the billion minutes watched situation that we had with The Mandalorian, we're actually gaining more millions of users with, uh, viewers with each successive week. And yes, there's a bit of up and down to that, but yeah, they absolutely jumped from that first week. So, you know, in light of the decision to launch with the first three episodes, you know, I don't know if I, you know, want to say that one solution was better than the other. Should they have just gone with one episode at a time or was it the right thing to go with those three episodes? I feel like I'm very happy with the three episode decision. I would love to know now that we have a little time in distance from it, whether you feel the same way. So please chime in with a comment on YouTube, or if you're catching an audio version, head over to the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com and let me know what you think about that. Now, watching back these episodes, it's really interesting to see this as a sort of double inciting incident situation. This is where Cassian is in his normal life and he gets the call to go on an amazing journey 
and is resistant to the call at some level. Certainly as a child, he is utterly resistant because he, you know, from his perspective, is being kidnapped. And as an adult, he's definitely a little more willing to be going off with Luthen Rail, but he already wanted to get off planet. He doesn't necessarily want to get involved with him in the way that Luthen wants him to get involved with him. So there's definitely a resistance to the call from that perspective. But we do see that by the time Andor has become an adult, he has grown to fully accept his kidnapped situation, if you will. So he has gone through the hero's journey for all intents and purposes to become an adopted son to Clem and Marva Andor and be part of this new found family. It's yet another way that we see the idea of found family being presented to us as a common theme in Star Wars storytelling. The other thing that jumped out at me upon reconsidering these episodes is how self-contained they are. For all of the things that we saw in teasers and trailers and commercials and social media spots leading up to the debut of this series, there's nothing about the Imperial Security Bureau or Dedra Miro or Partagaz or Yalaren or any of those folks involved in the first three episodes at all, not a wink. There's nothing about Mon Mothma or anyone with whom she's connected in those episodes. There's nothing about Saw Gerrera. There's nothing about Vel and Cinta and the Aldani rebel cell. There's nothing about Anto Krieger or any of the other folks who are instigating rebel activity at this time. It is just about Ferrix and what is going on there. The only outside element introduced into this situation, into this ecosystem, if you will, is Luthen Rail, and yet he is already a known quantity as well. Bix has met with him a number of times, so he's essentially part of the landscape here as well. It just so happens that he doesn't reside within the Morlana system, so that's why he is, you know, that external element that has the capability of <laughs> turning everything on its ear for all intents and purposes. I mean, if Luthen hadn't been there when the Preox Morlana corporate forces showed up to arrest Cassian, probably Cassian would have been dead or in custody. Then since we're considering what-if scenarios as well, the conversation that Cyril Karn has with his inspector, his boss, where we find out that you know he wants him to brush the murder of those two corpos under the rug because there's a review with the Empire happening and he doesn't want them to be sticking their nose into his business or anything like that. That's another one of those, oh, if only that inspector had made a different decision. Even if he'd said, look, the Empire has given us the business and we need to keep them from looking at this, so I want you to give me something that keeps everything quiet, but you can still investigate, just we can't let the Empire know that this is going on right now, you know? Just something to let Cyril be able to continue to work in a way that at least the inspector would know about it and be aware of it and be a confidant and then potentially be able to approve or say, hey, maybe hold off on the <laughs> ill-fated expedition that's led by him and Linus Mosk. But of course, that doesn't happen, and so we get to see that it's not only the good people, the good guys, who don't want the Empire in their business because the Empire is going to make it bad for everyone, but the bad guys don't even want the Empire in their business because it's going to make things worse for them too. 
If there's one thing I would have liked from this first story arc, though, I have to say I wish that we had been told a little bit more about Canari. We know that there was an environmental catastrophe or, you know, some sort of catastrophe probably related to the whole mining situation that was happening there, but it was essentially declared off-limits as a planet, and it's something that can't be connected to Cassian, right? It's bad news that people found out that he was from Canari and the files having to be altered so that way he was adopted from Fest. Certainly that was to cover up Clem and Marva's activity on Canari, as we talked about in a previous episode, but still, the fact that during episode three, when he wants to get a transport, that's what Cassian's asking for this guy, and they're looking up where Canari is because they saw the bulletin from the Preox Morlana folks, and they are trying to find out information about Canari. Well, it would be interesting to know what information's actually out there, and a little bit more about how that may not be telling the whole story of what happened on Canari. I think that would have been cool, too. And that's what I've got for you in the way of final thoughts on the first story arc in season one of Andor. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.